On this episode of the River Blast podcast, Alex and I dive into all things MLB hot stove. Except for the Jordy Mercer signing to Detroit and the Charlie Morton signing to Tampa Bay because both of those happened as soon as we stopped recording. So consider this our official statement. We're happy for both of them. Both of them got a lot of money, more than we expected them to get, and uh, good for them. Now that we got that out of the way, we're going to dive into everything else here coming up. Let's go. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of the River Blast Podcast. Alex, it might be December, but I'm sitting here in shorts and a tank top, and it is because it is hot stove season. Uh, how are you and enjoying it? you're an insane it? person. Yeah, well, I'm also indoors. That also might be... Okay. That also might be why I am sitting here in shorts and a tank top, um... But yeah, MLB hot stove season, the winter meetings, are, are they officially done or is it until... No, the... we got another day here. Okay. We got another day here and then the Rule 5 draft tomorrow. All right, or so... Thursday. Yeah, we're recording this on Wednesday, so the Rule 5 draft and we still have another day, um, but a lo- we've got a lot to talk about. Those Pirates have been, I mean, active compared to last year, I guess, uh, and overall they've been in the mix a little bit. Um and then the rest of the MLB we're going to get into as well. But Alex made the decision. It was his birthday. Was it yesterday? Two days ago. Two days on ago. The 10th. On the on, Yeah, on the 10th. So now that he's a year older, he's calling the shots. He says this is a Pirates podcast. We start with the Pirate news. So, uh, Alex, I'll let you decide. Who do you want to open up with here? What subject? Uh, let's start off with Nova. Nova? Okay. Yeah. So the Pirates trade Yvonne Nova. Um a guy who played came over in 2016 at the deadline from the New York Yankees. He was a, you know, back end of the rotation kind of guy. Probably their last free agent they signed prior to the club getting Jung-ho Gung. So or this past offseason, yeah. or this current offseason, I should say. So they trade Nova to the Chicago White Sox for future considerations. And right-handed pitcher... Jordi Rosario, who's a 19-year-old. Um, you see this move, Alex, I think immediately salary dump. However, this yeah. isn't your classic get-fans-angry salary dump. I don't think this is the worst move in the world to clear up some money, as long as they're going to use this money on other people. I, I, I didn't see Nova as a big you know, piece to the puzzle here. He did provide some veteran leadership. They really have no veterans now, which is kind of concerning. Concerning. Well, they've got Archer. Yeah, they got Archer. I mean, but like, yeah, they. I guess. But um, you, I'll let you go a little bit more into it before I give more of my take. Go ahead. Yeah, I'm gonna start off with a really bad joke that the Pirates dropped a Jordy and added a Yordy. Oh. Yeah. Hey. Did I mention that it was really bad? Yeah. I mean. Yeah. Uh, whenever the Pirates signed Nova, he was coming off of that great two-month stretch in 2016. Was a good fit at the time. Eight innings, that's always valuable. But, you know, now you look at someone like Chris Archer, who is the good version of Yvonne Nova, that guy that goes out there and he eats a ton of innings. He'll make 30 starts. 
he'll go deep into games. And unlike Nova, he is, you know, a good pitcher where Nova was, you know, roughly league average in general. So I can't really get angry about the Pirates dumping an $8.5 million player who is, you know, average or a number five starter at best on this team. But I will put the precursor that it'd be nice just for once to redistribute that money, sign someone. And I know we're going to talk about a small signing here in a bit, but there is money to be spent. And if Huntington's rhetoric is right about middle infield being set with uh, Newman and Gonzalez, I mean, they'll upgrade someone if they get if another Corey Dickerson type player lands on their lap like it did last year. But if that's the case, the only thing I think they're really going to spend money on is a left-handed reliever, and that's honestly not enough. I no, no. I mean, I've I've been in the Nova camp for a couple years, pro Nova camp for a couple years here. I'm not heartbroken that he's gone. I liked him, but you know, I get it. He wasn't really going to be a make-or-break type player for this next season. Mm-mm. Maybe you need to clear the roster spot. You need something. You can't have three or four middle relievers on no. this team. And, and that opens up a spot for uh, Kingham or Stephen Brawl if you really want to get a lefty in there, or maybe even Jordan Lyles, who we're going to talk about in a minute. Yeah. It's His time in Pittsburgh was probably at a logical end. They didn't get much for him. Maybe they could use some of that international... Uh, bonus pool money towards something, but yeah, so, it's probably going to be distributed over a couple of teenagers like it usually is. Yeah. So here's my overall take on Avon Nova. I think Nova was a... He benefited from J-Hap PTSD. What I mean by that yes. is... Yes. J-Hap in 2015, of course, came over the Pirates. He was the best pitcher, probably in all of baseball, aside from Arietta down that stretch of the last two months of the year. He just dominated. So the following year, the Pirates get Nova, and he doesn't post you know, the same numbers as Hap, but he was their best pitcher for the remainder of that season. He was pretty good, from what I remember, and I think it was a big reason he got the deal that he got, and the Pirates were so eager to bring him back, was because they did not want to make the same mistake they made with Jay Hap. A year prior. So that was that was Ivan Nova to a T, I thought. And um, like you said, I mean, he was not going to make or break any season. I thought he was solid. I thought Ivan Nova to me is a is a good fourth, fifth starter in a rotation. Uh, I mean, you're probably not going to trot him out there for a playoff game. And, um, you know, he's gonna, he, he certainly had a lot of things that would piss me off as far as, you know, his horrible ability to fill to baseball, his lack of hustle of pretty much anything in the world. But overall, I like Nova on the Pirates. Uh, he was, we talked about it a little bit, he was a veteran. And you talked to how Archer's now the veteran of the team. Nova was a veteran to a demographic in that clubhouse that needed it, and that's with the Latin ball players. He was kind of like their yeah. dad. And it sounds kind of crazy to say because he's, what, 31, 32 years old? So, yeah, but these were some baby bucks. These were. And even guys like Richard Rodriguez, who's not necessarily young, he's like 28 or 29, but they don't have a lot of MLB experience. And this is He a was guy, a rookie still. Yeah, these are guys... This is a guy who pitched for the New York Yankees. I mean, he pitched in the baseball capital of the game, like the hardest media to deal with and the 
you know, one of the most iconic places to play baseball. He, he pitched in a tough division against good hitters, and he's been through it all already. So for him to have that kind of mentorship on young guys, I mean, if you were in the clubhouse, you saw his relationship with young pitchers like Edgar Santana. You saw it with him and Vasquez had a good relationship. Um, and there, there was just a couple. I mean, the whole bullpen was very, very close with Ivan Nova. Um, and, you know, he wasn't necessarily, like I said, he was kind of lazy, uh, and he wasn't necessarily, like, a huge piece to the pie, but I thought he did add value to the team. I'm fine with them trading him, but like you said, Alex, this can't just be, okay, well, we think we think Nick Kingham can be just as good, so we're going to get rid of Nova, we'll trim our payroll down more. Stop tra- Stop getting rid of payroll if you're not going to reinvest it. That's my whole thing. Because this team is not as good without Ivan Nova. I'll say it. I mean, or at least if you stop saying that you're going to reinvest it. Yeah. I mean, I mean, what's worse? Having an aunt that says, oh, we're going to go to Disney World. We're going to go to Disney World. It's going to be great. But every single time you go to Disney World, you know, she flakes. And she's, oh, I'm sorry. I can't go. My cat's sick. Oh, we'll go again next year. Or the uncle that says, we can't afford to go to Disney World. We can't afford to go to Disney World. And there's a picture of him on the teacups two weeks later. Yeah, I mean, that I mean, reminds me. You ever have you ever seen the SNL skits? It's um like positive thoughts with Jack, whoever. I, I don't think I have. It's like the '90s, and uh, he said like the one time he's like, "If you want to like teach a child like a lesson about reality, you tell them you're gonna go to Disney World and you drive around in a car for a couple hours and then just drive up to like." the site of a burnt building, and you tell them the Disney World burnt to the ground. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of what we've been going through as Pirates fans, I feel. You know, like they say, like they have, think of all the people that they've cut payroll with. Josh Harrison, Yvonne Nova, Neil Walker, they saved money on, Andrew McCutcheon, um, you know, the list goes on and on. Mark Melanson, even though that trade ended up being very beneficial to the Pirates, they still saved a lot of money on that one. Uh, yeah, I, I'm not going to fault them for and yeah. saving money at the same time there. That's better than, like, yeah. whenever they yeah. did trade. Like, uh, I, I guess the Neil Walker trade's not a great example. Liriano. He's made the same money. Get, the Liriano it. trade, yeah. of course, is the... Go-to example of, oh my god, what are you doing? Yeah. And that money went to, like, keeping Nova and David Freeze, but they didn't really get that much of a pay raise, so I don't know how much that actually saved. But the thing is, they've made so many of those moves where you're just saying, you're seeing, oh, okay, well, maybe they're going to reinvest it. Maybe they're going to reinvest it. I don't know, who else can they get? Okay, Cervelli. That's the last one, which we'll talk about here in a little bit. They're running out of people that they can cut payroll for i mean yep. it's it's just getting to the point where you got to start spending it sometime right and you would like to think that they would spend it this year for yes. the next two years because that starting pitching core is still pre-armed for one more year and then it's going to be first year of arbitration which is very affordable the next year mm-hmm. it's cheap it's yeah. cheap good pitching i mean you think you would like to take advantage of that and i'm not saying you know, you sign Machado or something like that, but, you know, a good two-year healthy deal for a Brian Dozier type. 
Yeah. I know I keep bringing up his name. We're going to fight about that again. Let's not fight. Let's not fight. But that's just my example. I know. I I, I agree. I agree. But instead of spending that money on a middle infielder, which is their most obvious weakness, um, we got Jordan Lyles. So I'll let you introduce this one. Go ahead. Yeah, Jordan Lyles. Uh, it's been reported by Robert Murray of The Athletic that he signed for one year, $2 million. Uh, swingman, the last couple years, but far hey, better hey. as a reliever Scott than Haley. as a starter. Hey, no. All right, Don't sorry. Don't be doing this. Continue. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We'll, uh, we'll see Jordan Lyles at the Tequila Cowboy. Oh, no. Don't, no. It's real no, close no, no, to the stadium. I mean, he could walk right I, down I've there. never been to Tequila Cowboy. You haven't? I have a chip in my head that anytime I see tequila, I run the opposite direction. I, I that bang. does not agree with me. Uh, it's it's not my scene, but I can see why some people like it. it's an interesting. It's an interesting place. I mean, it's got like a whole lot to do there, but you know. my college age sister and her roommates absolutely love it. So. Yeah, I mean, yeah, and like if you're a single guy in your twenties, you know, I I couldn't hit. But I mean, Alex, you're. You're a different kind of cat. You'd rather sit down and watch baseball, and that's yeah. same here. All right, but uh, some people like to, you know, get drunk and sing Toby Keith songs, and that's good for them. Anyway, continue. Okay, yeah, back to Jordan Lyles. I know everyone was on the edge of their seat, waiting for me to get back to him. Yeah. Uh, Jordan Lyles, the reliever, I think would be a pretty solid pickup. Last year, ERA and FIP in the low threes, struck out over a batter an inning. As a reliever, that's pretty good. Uh, Jordan Lyles, the starter, I think would be a pretty bad pickup. Yeah. Uh, last three seasons, he's made 18 starts in those 680 ERA, 506 pip. I mean, apparently he does have an opportunity to start. I think it could be like a Juan Nicasio type of deal where they'll go into spring training with him and Brault and Kingham. Mm-hmm. And, uh. you know, like... <laughs> the scene in the Dark Knight, whenever the Joker drops the pool cue, and there's like, make it fast. <laughs> but one of them just <laughs> them fight it out to see who'll be the number five starter. Mm-hmm. I guess if that's the case, if he really does blow everyone away in spring training like Nicasio did, I could see him, you know, starting the season off with Keller being that insurance policy in AAA. If things go awry, but yeah, I mean, this is kind of like the Lonnie Chisholm or even the Gung signing again. This is not the type of signing where it's like, well, the Pirates are a playoff team now or print your World Series tickets. But yeah, I could see the Pirates being a better 25-man roster with him on it. Yeah, I mean, I think the big reason that this move will play is because of Edgar Santana being out in 2019. Uh I like the fact that, yeah, he was a part of probably the best bullpen in all of baseball last year. Um, and uh, if he can, yeah, if, if he uses a reliever, that's fine. I don't want Jordan Lyles to be a starter, period. Unless they're doing this bullpenning thing that I feel like they should have tried last year, but, you know. The opener. Class, yeah. But he's like, well, maybe we'll do an opener. I think he'd be a great opener candidate. Yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll Especially see. since his best pitch... This is two-seamer. I'm going to pull out a nugget here. Uh, 172 pitchers last year had at least 25 at-bats and with a two-seam fastball. He had the lowest slugging percentage allowed. Okay. So, 189. So that's pretty good. Yeah. 
So my my worry about this is the more one to two million dollar a year signings the Pirates have, well, they get these one year two million dollars deals. The more these start to happen, the less it becomes likely that they actually go out and get something that they need, which is a middle infielder who can hit and play good defense. So that's why I'm starting. All right, all right. I mean, you figure what they the budget for this offseason altogether was maybe ten million, fifteen million dollars, and you're just seeing it. It's like, yeah, and you're like, oh I boy, mean, oh boy. I mean, it should be more. How, how reasonable do you think it would be for this team to have a opening day payroll that's what eighty million ish? It should be a hundred million, but I mean, it should be, but it won't be. Yeah, but if it was like say seventy five to eighty million ish, I I don't know where they stand right now, but that would be. A decent chunk of change. They're around still. 70 right now, I believe. So, I mean, yeah. They're, okay. They're one... Okay, so they could sign a legitimate major league player. Yes, and that that would cap off this offseason, and I would consider that successful. Like, if they got one legitimate signing. And the, they can make trades, too, but I want... The trades are nice. And in all reality, if the trades probably will make the team better, I guess, based off of their... Last couple of years, the trades have seemed to work better than their free agent signings, just because there haven't been a lot. But I want to see some money spent. And that might sound like a petty fan or anything, but you can go out and you can trade for, you know, some guys we're going to bring up, like Nick Ahmed or whatever, but that's not enough. Like, you still have a whole bunch of money that you've saved. This team isn't just Nick Ahmed away from a World Series. Go out and spend some of that money that you've, you've saved now with... All of these players gone. And uh, like we kind of hinted at, the next player to go, if they are going to continue to shed some payroll, is Francisco Cervelli. Uh, Alex, what are your thoughts on, real quick, what are your thoughts on Cervelli? Uh, I know you're a big fan of him, but is he necessary to come back next year? Is Diaz ready to take over? And uh, does he have enough of a value that we could get a return that people would be happy with? I I think... uh... Diaz, if they do trade Cervelli, could be a good starting catcher. And I think Jacob Stallings is ready to be a major league backup also. I know I've said it on this show a couple times that I like Stallings. I don't like Stallings enough to trade Cervelli just to keep him. But, you know, as a good backup catcher, good glove, has a good rapport with the starting pitchers, grew up with a lot of them in the farm system. Yeah, I'll give Jacob Stallings a check plus for being a backup catcher on my team. But... I, I don't think Cervelli could really bring in that much in a trade because he only has one year and there's the injury history. Mm-hmm. If a team could really see him and they know that for $11 million or 11.5 or whatever his salary is, they could get that three to four word player. They will pay a decent amount. They probably could get a package somewhat comparable to what uh, they got for Kutch last year, who was a very similar player at that point who had some question marks surrounding around him, but hey, he's a three- or four-war player who has a good history in the past. Obviously, Cervelli's ceiling was never as high as Kutch's, but I, I think they could bring home something similar like that. But I don't know if that's really worth it. I think I would rather have Cervelli yeah, for that extra year. I agree. I think that this this year, Cervelli's final year, I think it's worth it to hold on to him. Because, you know, he can play first base, but in addition, I think it's good to kind of 
transition Diaz. I mean, I think the last year was a big step forward for Diaz, and he showed that he is more than capable of being the starter. But let's make Diaz the starter this year. But it's nice to have the safety net in Cervelli. It's never a bad thing to have two good catchers, you know? No, no, it's not. And honestly, what I would probably do next year if I was the Pirates was I would have uh, Cervelli and Diaz catch about 80-something games each, That's, 80 games each. That was and exactly then what I, was I would thinking. use uh, Cervelli as the platoon mate for Josh Bell at first base. And he'll face lefties and play first base there. So he'll still get 120-something starts and the mm-hmm. impacts that go come along with it, but you would still be developing uh, Diaz more. Yeah, and that's that's that was my mentality as well, where you get Cervelli's bat, and you allow Diaz to get valuable playing time, and then he's ready. And, you know, I'm sure you're going to have injuries with probably both of them throughout the whole year, just because catchers, you know, they're very prone to, you know, a couple 10-day DL stints, and that's where you get Stallings' his reps too, and he gets to practice being the backup, and... I don't know. I like that. I think they're a better ball club keeping him. Unless if, you know, there was reported that they could get a pretty good pitcher for him, but then, you know, that report was debunked, so we're not really even going to pay any attention to that. Any final thoughts on Cervelli real quick? No, I I think I've made my piece on that. So, the last thing the Pirates need, and I, I get it, we've been saying this for like a month now, is a shortstop, or because... Huntington seems to be very clear. He said it multiple times. He said it in September of the 2018 season. He said it at the beginning of the offseason. He reiterated it once again in the winter meetings. They want Adam Frazier to be the second baseman on this team. And when they signed Lonnie Chisholm, that confirmed that. Because, you know, they have right fielders now that they can play out there. And... So Frazier's the second baseman, so unfortunately, you know, our guys LeMayhew and Dozier, they're, they're probably not going to be wearing black and gold in 2019. But the shortstop position is still their biggest need, and they can afford some of the guys. And the newest name on the market is someone that would be a good fit for Pittsburgh, Troy Tulowitzki. Alex, you pointed it out before we start recording, Tulowitzki's first major league manager was Clint Hurdle. He was on that team that Hurdle took to the World Series. Uh, if you don't know who Troy Tulowitzki is, he's probably one of the top five best shortstops in the last decade plus. Um, I mean, I wouldn't say he's like a Hall of Fame caliber player, but he's... If he would have been healthy, yeah. if he would have stayed healthy, I think he would have been one step below A-Rod yeah. throughout his career. I mean, he's he is was part of the movement that we saw in the 21st century in the early 2000s of the tall offensive shortstops. Like, Ripken started it, then it was A-Rod, and now shortstop is a position that is mainly dominated by guys who are six foot three and who can hit. And Tulowitzki was kind of one of the pioneers after Ripken and A-Rod to be, you know, one of the more physically dominant shortstops, and I I still think he's got some game in him. Uh, he's going to come at a cheap price, and at the end of the day, he's better than Kevin Kramer. He's better than Kevin Newman. He's better than Eric Gonzalez, or whatever his name is. So, I mean, maybe not Pablo Reyes, but that's a different argument that he had. Alex, tell me why the Pirates wouldn't get Troy Tulowitzki. Would or wouldn't? Would not. Why wouldn't they want this guy? Well... He missed all of last year with those heel injuries. I mean, so even 
if he was to come back, if he was healthy, I don't know if he could play shortstop again. I think you might have to either slide over to third base or second base. I could be wrong. I haven't really been, you know, keeping 100% up to date on his rehab. I don't know if anyone really knows what's going on with his rehab at the moment. So that's my case why they shouldn't. But why they should is something that you brought up whenever we were planning this show up. This team has so many young middle infielders right now. Tons. Between Newman and, and Cole Tucker and and Frazier and Kramer. I mean, you would love to get a veteran presence. Pablo. And Pablo. Yeah. You would love to get a veteran presence presence like Tulo. Yeah. There. I mean, this isn't a matter of money because the way that major league contracts work out is uh, he could only sign for the minimum Yeah. right now. So really, the only thing that's going on in his head, he said his two big things are he wants to win, which you can make the argument that the Pirates could win if they added someone like Tulowitzki to this team. And the other one is he might want to go back home to the Bay, which they might be competing with Oakland. If Oakland... Oh, my uh, God. A bidding war between the Pirates and the A's. That would be so pathetic. Like, the Yankees probably, in, in like, laugh at that. Pirates, A's, bidding war fashion, they can't actually offer more money. That's, that's like, like we'll the, give you a no-trade clause. We'll give you a corner locker. We'll give... That's like the Red Sox and the Yankees. Like, they're, like, watching, like, Gladiator. Like, you know, like, sitting in there. Are you not entertained? When Neil Huntington drops a, a one-year league minimum <laughs> contract offer. Yes. With like a no cousins. trade clause and <laughs> yeah. his own private hot tub, yeah. Yeah, it would be—he would be a really nice fit. I don't know how well he could play defense anymore at shortstop, but even if he was mediocre in the bat, it has only been average for a couple of years because he's been slowed down with injuries. I think this would be like the counterpoint. Of how the Pirates, you know, sign Lonnie Chisenhall and Jordan Lyles. And they're like, okay, these are two very unsexy names. But I could see how they could really help the team. Yeah. Well, my- This would be the sexy name where it's like, I don't know how much he could help the team. But, you know. People know him. Yeah, everybody on earth wants a Troy Tulowitzki that's, on that's, their team. That's my point is, if you're looking for a veteran leader in the middle infield, what middle infielder in the MLB today has played in more meaningful baseball games than Troy Tulowitzki. Aside from Robinson Cano, maybe, I can't think of anyone else. Cano hasn't played a meaningful game in five years. Well, that's what I'm saying. I mean, he's won a World Series. That's that's my thing. And, you know, you have young guys like, I mean, Bogarts, I guess, has played in two World Series. Uh, and, uh, you know, Correa's been in a lot of playoff games, but he's still super young. But Tulowitzki's been to the World Series with Colorado, and he's been to multiple ALCS appearances with the with the Blue Jays. He's he's played some big baseball games. He didn't have a ring, but he's he's been through it all. And I, I would love to see, again, we need to start getting some veterans in this clubhouse. What better guy to add than Troy Tulowitzki, I think? You know, for the price that he's going to come at with the relationship. I mean, maybe him and Clint don't have a good relationship. Who knows? But, Maybe not. I mean, I'm, I'm, that's just pure speculation, right? Yeah, that's. that's but if I am Neil Huntington, I Alex, call up. We, we don't like. Hey, can you text? Can you text Troy? Man? We don't want to. We don't want to overcook it, as Clint would say. 
Yeah. All right. So that'll conclude our Pirates talk. Um, any other things you want to add here before we wrap it up? 106 days to opening day. All right. There we As go. As of Wednesday. As of Wednesday. So 105 days probably when you're listening to this until opening day. That's just for the Pirates. We are going to get into the rest of the MLB, which is going to have a little bit of Pirates talk in it as well. Uh, Enjoy. All right, Alex, we just went through the Pirates. Um, Pretty incredible that for a team whose biggest acquisitions are Lonnie Chisenhall and Jordan Lyles, that we just spoke 27 minutes about them, or whatever we did. I mean, that's that's riffing if I've ever seen it. So Holy cow, we really did. We, I had to check my timer there. Yeah, we, we really did. And props to anyone who's listening. Uh, so we're going to get into the rest of Major League Baseball, which, you know, believe it or not, is a little bit more interesting than the moves the Pirates have made, and they have a little bit bigger names that most fans would recognize over the likes of Chisholm and Lyles. Um, I think the place we got to start is we're going to start with free agent signings. It's one division that's been dominating the headlines. It's the, it's the national league East. You go down it, the division winning Braves. Who do they add? They add former MVP, Josh Donaldson to play third base on a one year deal who finished in second place. It was the Phillies. Or, no, wait, the Nationals finished in second place, excuse me. Who did they add? Well, they added Patrick Corbin, probably the best pitcher on the market. Third place team, the Philadelphia Phillies, we get to them now. They just signed our good buddy Andrew McCutcheon to a monster deal. I did not expect him to get paid like that. He's going to get paid better in Philadelphia than he did over, like, the last yeah, back five years in Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. Almost as much as he made his entire career in Pittsburgh. And then we're going to get down to the bottom of the barrel now. Uh, the New York Mets, who were atrocious for a good part of last year. But they get a new GM. They're making moves so far. Their biggest moves are Robinson Cano and Edwin Diaz coming to the ball club. And they're rumored to continue making moves. Um, but arguably the biggest move made in this division comes from the Miami Marlins. And sure enough, it is the announcement of Pedro Alvarez getting a minor league invite to their spring training this upcoming year. So it was all a dream. It was all a dream. El Toro in Miami. He's not going to have that statue to hit, which is a shame. But man, how how wild would it be if Pedro Alvarez became like the face of the Miami Marlins? (laughs) Him and him and Jeter just become best buddies. That would be stupid. That would be stupid. Well, he wouldn't become because he grew up a Yankees fan. Yeah, that's true. Well, and knowing how Jeter operates, he's going <laughs> to trade him to the Yankees. Well, no, because they're best buds. He's going to say, listen, like, Pedro's like... Oh, I, I know, I know. But Jeter's just a sleeper agent sending... Oh, you know, true. He's a, another AAA farm system for the Yankees. Yeah, definitely. So, Alex, um... Those are pretty much the main free agent signings. You also have, you saw Steve Pierce go back to the Boston Red Sox. Uh, Nathan Avaldi goes back to the Boston Red Sox as well. C.J. Cron gets claimed by the Minnesota Twins. Um, 
I forgetting anyone else here? Free agent signings? Jay Happ from the Yankees, apparently. Yeah, apparently that's almost done. I mean, not a ton of big news. No, the, the, the big, Corbin's the biggest guy who signs. So yeah, far. and I think the, the McCutcheon deal is interesting because, I mean, the Phillies have made it clear that they're they're turning back the clock to 1997 and they're just spending dumb money on free agents. Maybe not. Maybe like 2001, I guess. I, I, I don't think Kutch is dumb money. Though. No, no. But they, they've said they're like. Yeah, I know. They said yeah. they want to spend dumb money. And I've seen it on Twitter. I wasn't accusing you there. But yeah. I, I've seen it on Twitter like, well, they said they were going to spend dumb money. It's like, here's a guy who was an MVP candidate a couple years ago. And the last couple seasons, he's still been an impact player. Yeah. I mean. And he, now that Reese Hoskins is going back to first base, you need an outfielder. That's, that's a pretty good guy. Yeah. I mean, again, a veteran. Field in a pinch. Yeah, a veteran player, and I don't think he's that terrible as a corner defensive outfielder. And no, he's adequate. Yeah, and he can he can hit. I mean, he batted leadoff for the Yankees. Uh, you could hit him anywhere in the lineup now. Uh, he's not someone like when he was in Pittsburgh where you had to bat him third. Like he he will accommodate to whatever you need. He's a good clubhouse guy. I think that's a good signing. So we'll, you know what's going to be interesting with Philadelphia this year what's is that? two of the league leaders in seeing pitches per at bat were Reese Hoskins and Andrew McCutcheon. Oh, you're going to see how that turns out having them bat back to back. Yeah, that. Oh, it's going to be. It's not going to be good for the ratings, I don't think. But hey, assuming they hit two three, I think whoever's batting cleanup for the Phillies is going to be very happy that he got to see. Well, Nine pitches before he comes up the and we're time. we're gonna talk about that because there's a good chance the Phillies are gonna have a pretty notable cleanup hitter. I mean, between the two biggest names out on the market, if they could land one of those two guys, which again we're gonna get into later, um, having Hoskins and McCutcheon in front of them is gonna be beneficial. So I guess we can wrap up the MLB free agent talk now with arguably the biggest news for the Pirates which is Billy Hamilton getting out of the NL Central. And it's it's funny because Hamilton is a guy who's pretty much known as, I don't know, when he came up, there was a lot of hype around him, and he really hasn't... Because he was fast and could field, and if he could yeah. hit a lick, he would have been an all-star. And we've seen that all-star capability just in Pittsburgh, just when they play the Pirates. Uh, so I think it's a big deal for the Pirates. You know, they they started to get over the Reds' hump this year. They they really did a good job of taking down Cincinnati pretty much any chance they got. Uh, but, you know, getting Hamilton away from, you know, pitchers who struggled against him, like Tyone. Tyone even went on Twitter and talked about it. Like, thank God he's out of the NL Central. So, you know, good for yeah. Billy Hamilton to get another major league opportunity. He's going to the Kansas City Royals now. Um Hopefully, I mean, he's he's a player where he has the skill set. If he could put it together and play a complete game, he would be very entertaining to watch. Yeah, yeah, he would. I mean, he's he's entertaining enough. I mean, there were a couple plays last year. That catch he had on Cervelli, I can't remember when it was, but it was like a Sunday afternoon game where yeah. Cervelli ripped a ball to the right center field gap. And Hamilton made a diving catch. That might be the best catch I've ever seen in person. That was pretty impressive. I, I remember, I know exactly what you're talking about. So we'll yep. move on to the trades now. And, Getting uh, rid of Hamilton out of the division is going to mean more wins for the Pirates than any move Neil Huntington's going to make. That's the biggest move that has taken place in the offseason to benefit the Pirates in the last decade. 
Um, no. Uh, so we'll, <laughs> we'll move on to trades now, and we talked about how one division has dominated the free agent signings. One team has dominated the trade news this offseason, and it is the Seattle Mariners. I mean, my God, Alex. If, if the Pittsburgh Pirates dared to do even a fraction of what the Seattle Mariners are doing this offseason... I li- after an 89-win season. After winning 89 games, with the talent that they have, to just... I mean... Tearing it down is an understatement. I, I yeah, legitimately they're, think they're people would it. try to burn down JC Park. It's gone. Look, I have, gone. I have the list here. Mariners trade Mike Zanino uh, with outfield Guillermo Hierda and a minor league player uh, to the Rays for Malik Smith. Mariners trade relief pitcher Alex... Is it Alex Clome? Yeah, I yeah. misspelled that. Alex Clome to the White Sox. Mariners trade starting pitcher James Paxton to the Yankees. Mariners trade second baseman Robinson Cano with relief pitcher Edwin Diaz to the Mets. Mariners trade shortstop Gene Segura, uh, Juan Nicasio, and James Pezos to the Phillies. Uh, Carlos Santana is going to get traded in a couple of days, apparently. Yeah, and yeah, Santana and J.P. Crawford are oh, the players they got in return. We'll go through real, through real quick. They got Malik Smith. Uh, from the Rays, Omar Narvez, I believe, from the White Sox. Uh, Justin or Justice Sheffield was the big return from the Yankees, but he's not even a major mm-hmm. leaguer yet. Um, he will be this year. Yeah, I mean, he will be. But Mets' return was Jay Bruce, Anthony Swarak, Gerson Batista, Justin Dunn, and Jared Kalanick. Uh, Bruce is the only major leaguer in that group, correct? Swarzik is also. Oh, okay, Swarzik. I like Swarzik. Okay. If um, Seattle was willing to eat literally all that contract, I'd like him in a Pirates uniform for next year. All right. Uh, Phillies. Phillies give away two major league players, J.P. Crawford and Carlos Santana. Um. So. Yeah, it's ragtag bunch that they got for you know pretty much the core of their roster that won them eighty nine games, which would have been the third best season the Pirates have had since nineteen ninety two. You know, three teams came into this offseason. Three good teams. The Mariners, Cleveland, and uh, Arizona mm-hmm. Diamondbacks. They came into this offseason maybe one or two players away from legitimately competing for a playoff spot, and they said that they're going to be tearing it down instead. In Arizona and Cleveland, I mean, all they've traded so far is Jan Gomes and Goldschmidt. I talk like Goldie. Just training Goldie isn't. We're going to you know, get into that. Yeah, he's one of the best players in baseball. But Seattle's not waiting. They want to do their teardown now. They don't want to wait for the market to see how it turns out. They don't want to be like the Marlins waiting with J.T. Real Muto. But then again, Marlins are probably going to screw that up. It's, it's interesting that how aggressive they were in this teardown. It wasn't even like a rebuild, halfway type deal like what the Pirates did last year. Where okay, they got rid of Cole, but they added Musgrove and Moran, and you know that'll be hopefully comparable. And you know Kyle Crick could be helpful for Andrew McCutcheon. And it's it's just a flat out teardown. I, they don't want to compete with Houston whenever Houston has their Death Star players working right now, and they see I guess Oakland. That's that's the thing. The ninety seven win team. They they would have to leapfrog. 
over one of those two teams because I'm basically penciling in the Red Sox, Red Sox and Yankees as two playoff teams from now on. And even if, you know, no one from the Central will compete for a wild card for a couple of years, only two playoff teams can come out of the West, and one of them is always going to be Houston. Yeah. So they need to be better than Oakland, who was not only eight wins better than them, they were probably a hundred-something runs better than them in run differential. How funny is it that the Oakland A's delivered the death blow to a team that won 89 games, haven't been in the playoffs since 2001, and they were just so close, but they just said, they looked at the Oakland A's, mm-hmm. With that tiny payroll and that crap stadium, whose X-ray machine doesn't even work, uh, and <laughs> you were talking about tiny payrolls and uh, crappy stadiums. Rays, they would also have to leapfrog them. Yeah, and they looked at those. Those are the two. Those are their two main competitors for a wild card spot. Because, like you said, they're not going to beat the Yankees. So the A's and the Rays, and you know maybe the White Sox in a couple years. White Sox could be if they had a. Machado or Harper. Yeah, like, but like that's they could. Their two main teams to beat are the two smallest payrolls in baseball, and they just wave the white flag for another yep. five years at least. This is a, <laughs> this is nuts. So I feel bad if you're a Mariners fan. I'm sorry. I mean, I would have gladly taken every single person they got rid of. I mean, maybe, oh, yeah. maybe I not mean, these Zanino, are good but... players. And I think that's kind of, we're going to go back to the money thing because it always comes back to money with the Pirates. Whenever teams are aggressively selling right now, like I don't know how much more the Diamondbacks are going to sell, but let's just say that they do. Nick Ahmed is a very likely trade candidate because, you know, he has two years of control remaining. He just won a gold glove. His value will probably never be higher. That'd be a good fit for the Pirates. 16 home runs. Yeah, okay, he's not a hitter, but Gold Glove... Well, I'm saying 16 home runs for that infield is actually good. Like, that's a good addition. That's also Arizona. It's pretty easy. I'm just saying, no person in the Pirates infield hit 16 home runs. If you give 10 home runs, double-digit home runs in Gold Glove defense... Yeah. That's... Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that'd be... It'd be nice to see the Pirates take advantage of one of these teardowns. But they don't. They just, I mean, when you talk about bargain shopping, how much more bargain shopping than could you get than a garage sale? I think the Pirates look at that and they just see, like, like they survived the Great Depression and they're just looking out and they're like, oh, there goes another business. You know, like, yeah. they, they don't think it's like, maybe I should benefit from their teardown. Like, no, oh, man, I would never do that because I know that people people have gutted me. Like a vegetarian vulture. All right, so you talked about the Indians trade, Jan Gomes uh, to the to the Nationals. The Nationals are making moves. Props to them. I mean, they're losing the best yep. player in the history of their franchise, and they're oh, aren't they also the Expos still because they stole that? Okay, yeah, fair. That, that bothers me. That's a mini rant right now. All right, well, who's what better? I... Who's what Expo is better than Bryce Harper? Uh, what? Okay, fair, fair. I see. I I I feel. Vlad to me is an angel, and that's the age difference between us. Vlad is an yeah, angel. I I remember him as an expo first. I, I an I'm a, is he in the Hall of Fame as an angel? Yeah. Okay. I rest Which my case I, I, on it. I do not agree with, but Harper will be in the Hall of Fame as a national. No, he won't because oh, okay. he's going to sign. Yeah, a you're right. He's going to play the rest of his walk career. Out after after yeah. three years. All right. So the big move, I think, trade wise, that affects the Pirates the most is, of course. Paul Goldschmidt, the 
best first baseman in the major leagues? Uh, probably. Definitely the best overall. Yeah. I mean, I can't think of anyone better off the top of my head. I might be making Blanking? it egregious. I, I, I don't, I don't know. Uh, Paul Goldschmidt gets traded from the Diamondbacks, who were a playoff team two years ago, to the St. Louis Cardinals for, you know, a handful of prospects. Um, this is not good. No. This is not Goldschmidt good. is the best hitter that the Cardinals have had since Pujols. And they have a guy named Matt Carpenter who hit the ball pretty damn well last year. Yeah. So, Alex, we're going to play a game now. And uh, I don't know if you remember this. It's um, from a childhood TV show that I'm sure we both watched. Uh, I'm just going to go ahead and play the music. One of these things is not like the others. Which one is different? Do you know? Can you tell which thing is not like the others? I'll tell you if it is so. Alright, so we're playing One of These Things is Not Like the Other. Um, the song is over, so I'm going to list you the starting first baseman in the National League Central Division. And you're going to tell me which one of these guys is not like the other. Ready? Alright. Alright. For the Cardinals, we have Paul Goldschmidt. Six-time All-Star. For the Cubs, we have Anthony Rizzo. Captain... I mean, I don't know if he's officially the captain, but he's the captain of the Cubs. Perennial playoff team. Multiple All-Stars. For the Brewers, we have Aguilar. A guy who, for a while, last season was in the MVP talks. For the Reds, we have Joey Votto. Probably a Hall of Famer. And probably the best Canadian athlete of all time. And last but not least, we have Josh Bell for the Pittsburgh Pirates. Alex, tell me which one of these things is not like the other. And it's not Votto because he's Canadian. You, you know, I'm, I've been thinking about it. And I, whenever I think of good first basemen, mm -hmm. I think of the guys who are throwing the ball to them. Okay. So just just looking at the third baseman in the division. Uh, well, we're going to play that game next. We're going to play that game next. Uh, okay. Uh, okay, then... I, I guess it would have to be Josh Bell, because he's the switch hitter. Oh. The switch hitter who doesn't hit well on either side of the plate. Good. Aguilar's also a switch hitter, isn't he? I thought he was just a righty. Oh, who knows. I, I'm so bad with that. I always mess that up. With, like, pitcher's hands and switch hitting and everything. <laughs> anyway, you're, you're correct. Josh Bell doesn't seem to be anywhere near the caliber of uh, player the other four first basemen in the division are. Go figure. Just to clarify also, Alex, what division in baseball was the only one to have four teams with a winning record? That would be the NL Central. Okay. So you, you could make the argument that that's the most competitive division? I, I think so. Okay. The only one would be the AL East. Okay. And, so and maybe the NL East When now, you play but... in the most competitive division, home runs are pretty important in baseball, right? I, I believe that's how it works. Today's game, and they normally come from the corner infield. Right? Corner positions, yeah. Corner, yeah, yeah corner positions. Okay, so we'll just keep focused on the infield. So we have the worst first baseman in our division, the most competitive division in baseball. Well, let's play the same game again. Let's play the music. 
one of these things is not like the others. Which one is different? Do you know? Can you tell which thing is not like the others? I'll tell you if it is so. Alright, Alex, now we're going to play for the third baseman. Are you ready? As I'll ever be. We'll start off with the division champion, Milwaukee Brewers. The third baseman for Milwaukee, who would that be now? Would it be Shaw? That would be Travis Shaw. Travis Shaw, okay. 30 home run guy. Um, All-star. Helped his team, you know, get to a game seven of the NLCS this past year. I would say pretty good, versatile, power bat. All right, so we'll go down the line now. Um, we have the Chicago Cubs in second place. Well, who's their third baseman? Uh, that'd be Christopher Bryant. Oh, wait, the guy who won MVP a couple years ago? Yeah. Oh, or is it the guy who you know fielded the last out in the World Series in 2016? And before, in the year before that, he won Rookie of the Year. And the year before that, he won the College Spikes Award. And was second overall in the draft? That's right. Oh, okay. That's all the same guy? That's all the same guy. Man. Oh, man. So the Cubs got a good one. So third place is the Cardinals. Well, they have Matt Carpenter at third base now, don't they? <laughs> May God have mercy on their pitchers. But hmm. yes, yes, they do. Well, you know, he's not the best defender, but I, I seem to recall a period of time where he just hit the ever-living piss out of the baseball all last season. Yeah. Remember that? He was going to be an MVP going into September. I remember. Um, we'll skip the Pirates, and we'll go down to the bottom of the division, to the Reds, a team that almost lost 100 games. They can't have a good third baseman, right? Definitely not anyone with power. Wait. Uh, not, wait, Suarez? Oh, he hits like 30 home runs a year. Yeah. Okay. One of the most underrated players in baseball. Probably. So, who's our third baseman? We have uh, Colin Moran. Okay. Um, and he's different because the other four have had pictures taken of them smiling. Well, here, give me a second. And that was my Colin Moran impression. Um, <laughs> and to go along with Moran, we have Jung Ho Gung, a guy who has played approximately two Major League Baseball games and as many seasons. Uh, so he has more DUIs than Major League starts uh, in the last three years. I'll say it. That one hurt. Yep, that and I'm hurt. not deleting that one either. Uh, so, again, which one of these things is not like the other, Alex? Well, I, I would have to say it'd be Gung because he's the only Asian oh. uh, descendant of, the, of any of these teams. And probably the only one with a criminal record. That we're well aware of. Um, no, but I would just say the Pirates third base platoon is significantly worse. So you have the worst first baseman in the most competitive division in baseball. You have the worst third base tandem in the most competitive division in baseball. Baseball is a game that's pretty much sent sent you know centered on home runs right now. I would say that home runs are at a premium. They're hot in the streets, as the kids would say, uh, and the two main positions in your infield, at least, where you get home run production from, you are at the bottom of the barrel. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, it's, that's disappointing. The counterpoint would be that the Pirates, I would say, have the best rotation and the best bullpen in the division. And their corner outfielders aren't horrible. No, 
No, I'm not going to, you know... Say they're better than... Try the... to compare Polanco to Yelich to Jason Hayward or anything like no, that. No, you're, because you're, you'd be wrong to do so, but at the same time, like, they're... They're not horrible. You know, they're... They, no. It's just... No. The up end... the middle... I think the Pirates up the middle, obvious gap at shortstop, but whenever you look at their catching tandem, you look at Adam Frazier at second base, you look at their pitchers, and you look at Starling Marte, that is a strong core to build around. And even the corner outfielders, I would give you know that check mark to to Corey Dickerson, who's going to give you gold glove defense and be an above average hitter, and Gregory Polanco, who's wildly inconsistent, but whenever he's on, he's one of the best hitting yeah. outfielders in the National League. But man, they do have two gaping holes in the infield, and three. Maybe Josh Bell can still turn it around. I mean, they, he they might have, have the right hitting coach now. He might have the right hitting coach now, but I don't see third base really being that. I'm, I'm basically banking on Hayes. Brian Hayes being the next big thing at third base and him being the solution there because I can't realistically expect a lot out of Moran or Gunk. What the Pirates have at third base is the equivalent to you or me getting our paycheck and taking it straight to the rivers and just putting it on a number and hoping that it hits at the roulette table or something. They are gambling when the rest of the division is spending their money in an intelligent way. They're gambling, and the payoff's not even that good. No, like it's 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 like they're putting all of their all of their money on like a favorite, like Duke basketball to win against Pitt, whatever. You know, like the payoff's not that great. Um, you know, they think it's a sure thing, or I don't even know. I don't even know. That's not even a good comparison because Duke basketball will crush Pitt, and that's a for sure lock. Hashtag no is no doubters. But anyway, what I'm trying to say is that the Pirates are gambling on these three guys in their corner positions. I guess you could throw Cervelli in there at first base as well. When the rest of their division, teams that they're competing with to make the playoffs, have proven talent. And not all of the guys in those positions were drafted. Anthony Rizzo was not drafted by the Chicago Cubs. The Chicago Cubs weren't even his second team that he played for. You know, Goldschmidt, was ma- it was made known to the whole league for weeks that Paul Goldschmidt was on the market. But yet again, it's just, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna keep our faith in Josh Bell and Colin Moran and Jung well, Ho Jung. The, the Pirates weren't a good fit for Goldschmidt anyway. Why? Because of what he would have cost for one year, uh, you can't. The Pirates can't be in the business of training for a player just to take it away from the rivals. That's what the Yankees and Red Sox do. Whenever the Yankees sign someone like Johnny Damon, because it's like, well, we don't want the Red Sox to have him. I think that's a flashback right there, but that's just what my mind immediately went to. The Pirates can't do that. Yeah, they shouldn't do that. I guess would be the better thing. They could if they were stupid. I think. Maybe doing that once for a player, Goldschmidt's caliber. I, I, I think they did it last it. year, though. With who? I mean, Archer. Had the parts not given that royal smackdown of the Brew Crew right before the True. All-Star break, I think Milwaukee would have been a little more aggressive and they would have landed Archer. 
Now, we can argue over, you know, how good a player is Archer, but it has happened in the past. But I'm just saying Archer was still a safe investment because of the length on his deal, where Goldsmith... And that was my other point. That was my other point. Like, one year, I don't think it's worth it. It takes some balls to make that deal. And, you know, part part of me wants to see them, you know, show some balls. Go after him. Sign him on a one-year deal. And maybe if they win the division with him, which... Adding a bat like Goldschmidt, you might just be able to compete for a division title. With the pitching that the Pirates have, having a solid cleanup hitter, a third hitter, wherever you put him, a guy to produce power, you know, it, it, it might be worth it. And even if he doesn't re-sign, you put your organization in the limelight where maybe other free agents will want to come to you. He's someone that could be a spark. And I don't know. I think that... He might have been worth looking into. That's just me. But it, it was never a realistic thing. So we'll move on. We'll move on to another team that, like you mentioned, there were three really good teams, or two really good teams, and then, I guess, one really good team, and then two solid teams that missed the playoffs uh, that were tearing it down. The, the really good team that's debating on trading away some of its star players is the Cleveland Indians, who have won the division, their division the last three years, the AL Central. They... Won the AL pennant in 2016. Probably going to win it again this year, regardless of who they get rid of. Barring, you know, an improbable quick development by the Chicago White Sox. I don't see anyone else. Or the Twinkies turning it back on. Yeah, but still. I mean, there's just too much talent. If you're the Indians, Alex, real quick, do you trade... Kluber or Bauer or both? or I mean, they just locked up Carrasco... Um, yeah, I, I think you got to trade one of them. I don't think you have to trade one of them, but I think this is Trevor Bauer's value is only going to go down from here on out. Yeah. So I, I think we have seen the apex of his career. So I think there is always a case to be made for trading a player whenever he has perceived apex value. Whenever mm-hmm. he's not that type of player anymore. Fair. Um. <sighs> see, I would be more inclined to get rid of Kluber. Uh, just because I think yeah. he's the bigger name, he might draw in the bigger return. Um, and with Bauer off the field, I mean, he's not necessarily like a bad guy or anything, but I think when when big market teams are looking for a, a guy off the field, they'd much rather have a Corey Kluber who can just keep his mouth shut. and Then, then Trevor Bauer, who's like, hit a home run off of me and BP, and he'll donate $420.69. Or, I mean, cuts his finger open before a playoff game because he's playing with toys. I mean, yeah. like, yeah. that's the reality of it. I think, you know, Kluber is the better pitcher between the two. I think Bauer's right ceiling now, is yeah. higher. Yeah, Bauer's ce- ceiling is higher. But that's why I think the Indians should hang on to him. Um and ba- Kluber, both of these guys, to me, I think the Indians have a gaping hole in their outfield, and they both are the caliber of player where you could get an immediate return of like a young player who could start for you and make an impact in your outfield. You could get like a top prospect, top two prospect in an organization, a young outfielder who's in AAA, and he could be your starting center fielder or right fielder or whatever. Unless they re-sign Brantley, they really have three open outfield spots. So I, I, I think that that would be a good move for them to make, is trading one of them to get some outfield help. Maybe even, I mean, they have their best prospect is Tristan McKenzie. He's probably ready to come in the starting rotation anyway. Um, 
But yeah, get a young outfielder, maybe even another young arm to, you know, they need to build that farm system up because they've traded away their good prospects. Clint, Clint Frazier, yeah. Mayha. I can't, I can't, Mejia? Mejia. Is that the catcher that just traded for Brad Hand? Yeah, they're catching. Boy, how did that work out? Well, that's the ironic thing is they, they get rid of, like, their two biggest holes on the team now are catcher and the outfield, and the two prospects that they got rid of and their big deals in the last three years were they got rid of Clint Frazier to the Frazier. Yankees for Andrew and Miller, and then the Mejia to the... They traded them both for relief pitching, which I guess... Yeah. <laughs> but, well, the Andrew Miller deal, I, I still stand by Andrew that. Miller was a different deal, yeah. That's he a was, good deal. And he Frazier, was a good player, at least. Like, And I guess Brad Hand could be that 2.0, but yeah. boy, oh boy, it didn't help him whenever they had that window. Yep, so... Interesting, I think, yeah, the Indians got to make at least one move. So I guess uh, we'll move down the line now real quick. There are three big names, I think, remaining more than anyone else. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of still notable free agents left. You look, A.J. Pollock, Michael Brantley, Jed Lowry, Brian Dozier, Jose Iglesias, LeMayhew, Mike Moustakis, Yasmani Grandal, Andrew Miller, Zach Britton, Craig Kimbrell, um, Dallas Keuchel, but the two big free agents, Bryce Harper, Manny Machado, and the biggest name on the trade block probably right now as far as possible possibility to be traded is JT Romulto. Um, Alex, give me your prediction as to where these three guys land. Uh, Machado goes to the Phillies. Ooh. Bryce Harper goes to the Chicago White Sox, not the Cubs. Oh. And JT Real Muto goes to the Dodgers. Okay, I'm going to go Real Muto to the Astros. I'm sticking with that prediction. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to say Harper to the Phillies. And, um, I mean, man, I could see Machado going to the Phillies as well, but I... Machado's a Yankee. I mean, I just it, it just has to happen. Because with Didi, I mean, they're, they're saying that he can be back in July. But, you know, Tommy John is nothing to be messed with. And with him being a free agent next year, I could see the Yankees just being like, yeah, we're good, man. We're good. You know, you just take your time. And, uh, you know, if he's ready, they're going to use him, I guess. But the move is going to be Machado to the Yankees. That's they're going to be their shortstop of the future. Um, so those are my three picks. Uh, if, if I would love to see Ramuto go to the Mets if it meant that and like a three-way deal, Cindergaard got moved to the Yankees. Wow, Jeeps being that AAA farm system oh, for the Yankees again. Wow. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. And uh, the last question I have for you, Alex, um, as I scroll down here on the sheet, four notable players retired from baseball this year. I want you to rank them one to four on their likeliness to get to the Hall of Fame. One being the highest, four being the lowest on your Hall of Fame ballot, okay? All right. The first player to retire was Adrian Beltre. 3,000 hits. Great third baseman. The next we have, we'll go with Hunter Pence. Um, then we have Chase. Did he retire, though? I thought he did. I'm pretty sure he did. All right. Um, next we have Chase Utley, and last but not least, Joe Maurer. Rank them for me one to four on likeliness to get into the Hall of Fame. Uh, Beltre is my lock. He's one. Yes, I agree. 
Uh, two would be Chase Utley. I think by the time Chase is on the ballot, teams would be looking, or voters would be looking more at uh, his work as a whole for his peak, rather than just counting stats. Okay. And they're going to look at, okay, here's a guy who's consistently one of the best offensive players, not only as a second baseman, but in general. I think he'll be uh, voted in. Not first ballot. Bill Trey's a first ballot. I think Utley would get in on his fifth or sixth time around. Mm -hmm. Something like that. Uh, Joe Maurer, I think, is eventually going to go in. He'll be my three. If he does go in, it would be kind of like Edgar Martinez, Tim Raines' 10th year ballot, or maybe the Veterans Committee will let him in. That's and then Hunter Pence isn't making it. Hunter Pence isn't making it. Paul, very good. I, I I really liked Hunter Pence when I was a kid. Uh, when he played for the Astros, I got his autograph. I I just really liked him. I thought he was kind of you know unique and he stood out and you know with the one batting glove and the weird you know batting stance and everything. I I was a big Hunter Pence fan, but yeah, I don't see him making it in. I, I agree. Beltre's the lock. I'd put Maurer ahead of Utley. Uh, just comparing Maurer, like his career numbers compared to like Gary Carter, I don't have them in front of me, but I did look them up the other day, and they're very similar. And Carter, Maurer, it, Maurer is better than a lot of people who are in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, I and think the only debate is going to be: do they give his, do they view his body of work only as a catcher or yeah. as a catcher and first baseman? Which I would say as a catcher. But I mean, like he had ten years as a catcher, and if he would have had to retire right there, I think I still would have voted him for the Hall of Fame. He's a multiple All Star. He's won batting titles. Uh, I mean, that and when you look down the line, I I think that there are more. I would say teams like the Phillies. I guess not like the Phillies. Sorry, like teams like the Twins, who don't have as many Hall of Famers as other franchises. I feel like they have better odds for guys like Maurer to get in. I'll so. tell you what, the Twins as an organization need to have a big push with the voters because he was a Minnesota-born kid, played mm-hmm. his entire career with them. They they need to push hard to get him into the Hall of Fame. I agree. And they, he should, I think, you know, when you look back at the last, you know, 10, 20 years and you discuss the best catchers to play the game, I think Maurer's easily top three. In the last 20 years. I think you put Yadier Molina. And then. Buster. Buster Posey. And then Maurer and Posada. I would say probably tied for third. I think Maurer is a league way better than Posada. Yeah but when you consider what Posada did. I think people. Especially like older writers. They'll value like. Posada's ability to like be the anchor. Posada will stick around on the ballot for a couple years. He's not yeah. going to get five percent off. And I think Maurer and Utley probably both get in on the back end of their ten-year eligibility. Yeah. Um I'd say Maurer probably or, like, or the modern day modern day uh, uh, committee will put him in, or they'll get in eventually. Yeah, they they'll both get in. Play- I mean, my God, if we're putting Harold Baines in, yeah, for real. Which, you know, we don't need to get into. But, I mean, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, Utley is my third. He deserves to be in because you look back and those, those Phillies teams, they were, you know, the best in, in baseball for a while. Not really a while, but they had that window and they... They had, like, a four-year stretch where they won a World Series, won a pennant, pennant. went to, like, the... NLCS and won 100 games. They won the division like four years in a row or something like yeah. that. So, Not only won the division, those were, you know, you can make the argument that they were 
the best or one of the two or three best teams in baseball for a four-year stretch. Yeah, and um, and he was he was the, the face of that, of that team. team. I know Ryan Howard got all the glory, and Cole Hamels won the World Series MVP. They had his four races, but man, that team was nothing without their middle infield of Jimmy Rollins and Chase Utley. Yeah, I agree, and I think that Utley's probably the better one out of the two of those guys, even yes. though Rollins has the MVP. I think Utley yes. was. You talk about I when it comes to Hall of Fame voting, I look at guys were they the top five in their position group for over a decade throughout their career, and then when you consider the then you measure them against the other people in their position group. Like, you know, Utley is one of the best second basemen in baseball for a long time throughout his major league career. Probably the best National League second baseman for at least half of his major league career. Um, and he was the leader for some really good Phillies teams. He was the face of it. He also had some funny appearances on It's Always Sunny, which, you know, gets my vote. Hey, Chase. I yeah. feel like I can call you Chase. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Alex, any final thoughts as we wrap this up? I, I'm just going through my head on that Always Sunny bit. Did you ever see his response back to Mac? What, when Mac wrote the letter to him the one time? Yeah, Chase, a couple years later, wrote a letter back. Oh, I did He's not. like, hey, Mac, I feel like I could call you Mac because you call me Chase. My favorite things, thank you for saying you like my hair. My favorite things are my hair, baseball, and my dad. <laughs> I thought we could have a catch, and he drew a picture <laughs> of him. Oh, God, that's such. A, that's one of the best episodes. The riot punch, and they lose the tickets in the, the house that's... um. Being ex- exterminated. The Philly fans are brutal. Yes. Uh, that's, oh my God, that's such a good show. All right. Yeah. It, anything aside from Philly's talk to wrap it up, Alex? Nah, I think that's it. Congrats, Cutch, on your payday. Yeah. Get that Get that bag. And Pedro, congrats to you too. Can't believe we're still talking. For hanging about around it. another year. Pedro Plus. Alvarez has a deal while Josh Harrison and Jordy Mercer are still looking for one. Let's let that sink in. So. Be sure to give us a follow on social media at Alex J. Stump, at Noah underscore Hiles 95, at River Blast Radio. Uh, share our podcast, give us some reviews, rate, subscribe, unsubscribe, resubscribe. You guys know the deal. And uh, yeah, just reach out to us with anything you want us to hear, anything you want to hear us talk about. We'll, we'll do it. We're looking for things to discuss during the off season, and uh, we'll continue to bring you this. This good old baseball podcast content for Alex Stump from Noah Hiles signing off saying thanks for listening. And as always, we end it with Let's Go Bucks.